Welcome to episode 22 of the Echo Corpus Christi podcast, the podcast featuring Corpus Christi's creators, makers, doers, and builders. On this episode, we visit with three folks from Addy Home Health and Hospice. Clint Rendell, the owner, and I became friends a few years ago at Brewster Street after church one Sunday when we met as parents of special needs kids are wont to do. The things that make us unique in the general population brought us together because of our similarities. Our wives became fast friends, and we had the opportunity, Clint and I, a few weeks ago to sit down with Kimberly and Oscar, also from Addy Home Health, to discuss the services that Addy Home Health provides to the Corpus Christi community, to discuss how Addy Home Health was able to benefit other home health organizations and other medical providers during the COVID pandemic, and continue to serve Corpus Christi residents, both within the city limits and all throughout the coastal bend, as a matter of fact. Their reach continues beyond the city limits of Corpus Christi. They provide both hospice care and in-home health care services as outpatient providers. And they also recently moved into new office spaces on the edge of downtown behind the First Methodist Church uh, there on 2nd Street, across from First Methodist's Community Garden. If you haven't seen the Community Garden, you should get out and check it out. And while you're there, take a glance over at the uh, classical Southern style, style building on 2nd Street, and you'll get a glimpse of Addy Home Health and Hospice. And of course, should you have a need or should a relative of yours or a friend of yours have a need for in-home health care uh, or hospice care, uh, please think of Addy Home Health. And I believe very firmly after you hear this episode, you will fall in love with the folks over at Addy Home Health. Thank you so much to Oscar, Kimberly, and Clint for taking time to sit down. Let's visit with Oscar, Kimberly, and Clint from Addy Home Health. I'm Kimberly Nikkei-Kood. My story's kind of boring. I was in nursing school in 2012, 2013. My husband got a job down here um, throughout my entire schooling, and when I was finished, I followed him down. Awesome. And do you have a history in nursing? Like I said, I was born a nurse. <laughs> so, um, I've always wanted to be a nurse. Um, I started out kind of as a CNA and then um, LVN, then RN, and now director of nursing. Awesome. Very good. What about you? Oh, well, I was raised in Bishop, Texas, mm-hmm. just down the road here. Uh, and um, I was in the service. I was in the, in the Army as a medic. And uh, so when I got out of the service, I... Uh, pursued a fabricating career in Houston area and then a year or two of that I remembered man I was a medic in the army mm-hmm. so I got down to Corpus came back down to Corpus Christi on the behest of one of my buddies and started working at the Memorial's emergency room finished my schooling became an LVN later became an RN um, I've done psychiatric nursing emergency room nursing uh, med surge nursing uh, chemical dependency and you know just like Kimberly said, I've always kind of been that nurse person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then uh, home health came into the picture years after that, and then hospice became a calling for me. And um, fortunately enough, Addie wanted to start a hospice program and about six years ago, and I was brought in to facilitate that and uh, have moved up the ranks and I oversee operations, you know, for the mm-hmm. company. I oversee the hospice department. As Clint mentioned earlier, I'm one of his administrators, so... Collectively, as a group, we're where we are today. And awesome. I still feel like a cheerleader, you know, <laughs> at my old age, but uh, 
Nah, very excited. Very excited to be here and, okay. and doing what what we do. Mm-hmm. Really made my born. <laughs> come back. You're, you're going to have plenty more questions, Kimberly. Don't worry. Okay, how about you, Clint? All right. Well, for those wondering, that was Oscar Lemus. I want oh, to make by sure the way, you, thank you. Should you be that to name. yourself. So, um, okay. So my name is Clint Rendell, and I'm the Corpus newcomer. I've been here for a little over two years, and I originally grew up in Colorado. Came down to South Texas for school in Houston, and um, stayed there seven years and enjoyed Houston, but. All the bad things about Houston kind of started to outweigh the good things, and so um, so we moved overseas, my wife and I, for uh, four years to Australia, and uh, came back four years later with uh, one kid and one on the way, <laughs> and decided to go to grad school on the East Coast. Right. So we're kind of yeah, all over the place, and uh, but we knew we wanted to get back to Texas, so we came back uh, for one year in the DFW area. But then we thought, well, we actually want to get back to South Texas. That's what we know. It's what we love. And Corpus hadn't really been on the radar. Um, we'd been down here to see the Lexington and, you know, go camp on the beach, uh, on the seashore. Um, but hadn't really seen it as a place to live. But um, this opportunity came up with Addy, and, um, and it was a great match. So in 2019, uh, we moved down, the whole family, three of us, three kids and, and two adults at that point. Um, and we've loved it. It's a great place to raise a family. It's um, you know it's a great size where we have everything we need, but it's not um, not full of traffic and it's not full of all, all the big city problems. Now, getting involved in a healthcare company <laughs> right before uh, COVID that might have not <laughs> been my best move ever. I mean, these two they were kind of committed, but for me, I I could have done anything and probably probably been been better. But we've uh, we've had a really good run. It's been a it's been a fun ride. It's not always been an easy ride, but um, but here we are, and, and I think uh, I'm a better person. This is a better company than it was uh, two years ago. Awesome. Definitely. Very good. Well, I, I noticed Oscar didn't jump in, so I'll have to probably correct you for our listeners. We don't know that Houston is South Texas. <laughs> and frankly, fair I enough. Think, fair I think enough. there, to be fair, I think there are people who don't even consider Corpus to be South Texas. Um, having lived in McAllen in the mission yeah. area for a few years, that they would say you guys are like North Texas. Yeah. Corpus isn't even part of our culture. Yeah. We're North Padre Island. We are North Padre Island, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think there are people, for those that remember their maps of our state, they've considered from the Wild Horse Desert down mm. to be South Texas, which would exclude San Antonio. And, and being a San Antonio right. boy growing up there, we always thought of San Antonio as South Texas. And we just kind of lopped it off north of Waco because, you know, that's just not even really part of Texas, let's be real. Uh, we love you, Donald. So let's talk a little bit about how Addy came to be. Um, I'd love to be able to share with the listeners, let's start with what do we do, and then we can kind of move into how we became a company and where we are today. So just to kind of give a general outline. So maybe, Oscar, do you want to take a little bit about how do we, like, what, what does Addy do, what's its kind of calling and reason for existing? Sure. Um, Addy Home Health and Hospice, as the name implies, uh, is a home health and hospice agency that provide uh, inpatient or inpatient care, basically, to a patient in their home okay. or, or their place of residence. Um, we, we provide um, extensive uh, outpatient care in, in a vast uh, majority of, or a, a variety of, of disease processes and illnesses. Uh, ranging, from, you know, with uh, caring for people with congestive heart failure, diabetes, you know, renal issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, cir- cirrhosis and, and liver type issues, 
Uh, and we kind of manage the health care of the, that patient in the home uh, under the guise of their physician, uh, kind of another a second set of eyes, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, with our assessments, we report to the physicians on a daily basis as needed. Um, and then uh, along with that, with those services, which include nursing and, and our CNAs, uh, which help with the patient's uh, daily living activities, we, uh, we incorporate uh, the use of physical therapies and occupational therapy, mm. speech therapy, mm. uh, all in the home uh, once you know they've met criteria and an order is given. Um, and then because sometimes our patients decline in health, you know, uh, we were finding that we were often leaving patients when they were at the most vulnerable and discharging to another hospice agency. And the question often came up by families that, well, why can't you guys do it? Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of prompted Addie into, you know, wow, that's a really good continuation of care and the familiarities there. And, you know, it's just a comfort thing. And, and that's what hospice is, is a comfort mm-hmm. measure. So uh, we were lucky enough and gracious enough to have the, the team support the hospice, you know, initiative. And, and we got accredited you know, through our, uh, our Joint Commission accreditation, which is hospital mm-hmm. uh, accreditations. So we're, you know, we went through all the right channels. We grew this, the business slowly and, and, and appropriately and making sure patients meet criteria and, and just kind of helps us provide that, that continuation of care, you know. Um, and uh, it's just worked out really well for us. Uh, we have a really strong team. Um, Clint's allowed us to you know, kind of do what we do and uh, listens to our um, needs as far as, um, you know, uh, nursing and, and, and medically necessary things that we mm-hmm. need to do and, and the right thing to do. So we're for- very fortunate in that, I feel. Uh, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's a very broad, mm-hmm. you know, nutshell, but um, the I think that daily dealings of, of, of an agency like this just I mean we could go on for mm-hmm. probably a couple of couple of hours easy you know but uh, I mean Kim would uh, do you want to cover some of the history Kimberly do you have is that a familiar oh. place or do you want to go to okay. Clint history would to definitely Clint? be better okay. yeah. Clint. <laughs> so we were talking before we started recording a little bit about the name Addy it is mm-hmm. A-A-D-I mm-hmm. and as I understand it there is some history as to the name itself but Start, why don't you, Clint, start with kind of the history of the agency. Sure. How it came into be, and then Oscar covered a little bit about adding in the, the hospice care portion, but you want to just kind of give us the, you know, how did Addie get started and how we got here today? Yeah, sure. So the background for Addie started in about 2005 when two sisters who, um, funny enough, were from Arkansas, um, <laughs> came down. Uh, they were actually already living here, but they yeah. decided, uh, they both had backgrounds in, uh, in that medical field and decided that they were going to start a home health agency. And so it took about two years to kind of get it up and running off the ground, all the licenses and the accreditations and everything. Um, and they started, you know, very small, started in a converted house on Alameda Street and Basically, um, as as time went on, added nurses, added specialties, um, continued to grow the agency, and um, Addie became, I would say, one of the most respected, homegrown, Corpus Christi, Coastal Bend-centric agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so about 
10 years after that, they started thinking about selling. They were at, you know, at or past the normal retirement age. And so at that point, um, in early, in very early 2019, um, I started speaking with them and, and, um, so my family purchased daddy and it took us about nine months to make that happen. Um, but we took it at a, at a great time where it was just primed for uh, more growth, more success. And, um, so the sellers, uh, Jane and Kathy, they, they sort of accomplished their goals. They had provided care for um, thousands of individuals in, in town. They had, mm-hmm. um, you know, established a really strong rapport with the with employees. You know, it was a very tightly knit agency. Um, as Oscar mentioned, they had started the hospice as sort of an add-on. Um, and it, it did start sort of as an afterthought. And I would say now it's grown into its own sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a significant part of, of what Addy is. Um, so on the name, so Jane and Kathy, uh, this is back in the dark ages, um, and they thought that starting a name with two A's mm-hmm. would look really good in the phone book because it would always be the first one. Sure. And, so they have AAA uh, Yeah, that's right. So, so that was one, um, sort of impetus, mm-hmm. but then also the word Addy, A-A-D-I is a Sanskrit word that means uh, new beginning. Really, and so so I thought that was actually very powerful, and I don't know if they just lucked into that or if they they, they, <laughs> they did actually their, did. Their I, I think one of one of the early medical directors was from India, okay, and, and he pointed it out to yeah, them. So it amazing. was kind of a luck thing. But, yeah, and, I love it. And that was one of my questions when I first came. I had known the owners and and their husbands years and years, and we'd always okay. threatened to work together, mm-hmm. but um, when the time came. You know, I, that was one of my first questions. People are going to ask me what it means. Right. I'm, I'm not going to have a clue. So that was the story, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. But, but it, it's it's made sense for us on so mm-hmm. many levels. You know, it's I think for the three of us, Addy has represented a, a new beginning, you know, a new mm-hmm. phase in our yeah. career. I think we offer that to our patients. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times uh, the patients come to us and they've just been through something very difficult, you know, whether that's an inpatient stay in a hospital, a surgery, um, a, a chronic or a terminal diagnosis, and, and we offer a chance to sort of um, buy back into that quality of life mm-hmm. and, and get back and accomplish those goals. And um, even you know through through COVID and moving from our old location to this building, we I feel like Addy's just full of of new beginnings. So I think it's a great name, a great fit. We deal with all the mispronunciations. We get <laughs> yeah. a, we get A A D I a lot. Uh-huh. We get uh, Audi. We sure. get um, what I, I don't yeah, know. There's mm-hmm. had a number of them mm-hmm. out there, but um, now we we want to be uh, we want to be a household name in Corpus. I think we're well on our way, and we want people to see A A D I and think that that's Addy. That's how. That's no how matter how they pronounce. That's right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Our logos there. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, sure. that's great. I love I love that there is the kind of the double meaning. There's a history of the phone book because that does take us all back. I think all of us in the room are probably familiar with the phone book, but those that are young on the phone or on the podcast listening now, there was a day when you had to actually look up a number in a book and it was huge. And to get to the beginning of the alphabet, you needed multiple A's many times. Right. And that was a big marketing trick for sure. And it was very effective. Yep. We had yes, so right. many companies that were double A AA or triple A just to land at the beginning. And then they'd have some funny name like dinosaur. At the end. <laughs> um, Kimberly, let's talk a little bit about um, who who are the employees of Addy and what, what you think makes a really good person to work with these folks that often, as Clint mentioned, have a a difficult diagnosis or have just come through a pretty traumatic experience in their lives. Like, 
who do you find? How do you sort through the applicants to find the good ones from the bad ones? What makes somebody a great Addy employee? What makes somebody a great Addy employee? Yeah. Um, a lot of times whenever you meet somebody in person, you know, of course we have that initial impression. Mm-hmm. Um, don't judge somebody by, you know, the <laughs> don't judge the book. Guys we know that. Right. But a lot of times you can get that judge of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming in, of course, we want knowledgeable is a big part because we are in the medical field and a lot of our nurses are working, mm-hmm. you know, independently. Um, so they've got to be able to recognize things in the home before they call the doctor, before they call, you know, here at the office to report things. But, um, Sense of humor, we like that, but yeah, you know, that's sure. not a necessity. <laughs> um, just someone who's kind, personable, mm-hmm. um, and a team player. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there is a special um, a special characteristic of nurses that are um, different in the home and hospice care than you would find in a hospital setting? Or do nurses generally, and LVNs I'll include the kind of the whole, mm-hmm. whatever the initials are at the end of the name, the whole gamut of folks that are treating people that are not called the doctor. Um, do you find that there's a different set of people that work in a hospital setting versus a home setting? There is. Um, can I pinpoint what that is exactly? <laughs> no. But right. as a nurse, we all say, you know, oh, uh, that person's not meant to work in a hospital. Or okay. this person is well-suited for home health or well-suited for a hospital mm-hmm. setting. So I think... Um, Everybody has, yeah. you know, something that they click with mm-hmm. well, um, but I don't think they can like. And as a home is. health, as a home health nurse, I mean, we're we're entering these families' homes. You're in their most intimate I mean, places. Yeah, you become our our aides. You know, our LVNs, our RNs. I mean, we become like an everyday part of their life and what they do all day. And we're not there to to change any of that. You know, if they want to fix breakfast while we're there taking care of a family member. We, we don't want to change any of that. So there has to be a lot of adaptability, right. I believe, uh, you know, and then, and then culturally, I mean, we're a diverse city here and, and our surrounding areas that we cover. So, you know, we have to be ready to be who they need us to be for them, you know, and, and it just, you know, it doesn't matter culturally, religious. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there to take care of you, whether, what what the the circumstances are you know um but yeah that, i think there is a big difference in a hospital setting i mean you know you you have a b c and d that, that have mm-hmm. to be done every day at, at this time frame and and you know people don't understand what machines are doing right all the beeping in the home right we can explain those things better mm-hmm. we there's not a time limit uh, a time constraint as far as how long a visit lasts, you know, so mm-hmm. the longer they need, the more we give and and selflessness, I think, is a real big, I mean, uh, we got nurses that we just text and say, man, I need help, boom, somebody's going to answer, you That's know, incredible. we have these threads that, mm-hmm. that they just offer, you know, so it, it's a selflessness thing, it's a giving thing, it's a after hours thing, um, we have nurses on call, of course, that are designated, but it's not uncommon for Kimberly's patient to call, you know, uh, call me and Kimberly say, you know, if, if so-and-so calls, just call me. I'll take care of it. So it, it's all giving mm-hmm. a lot, you know, and, and it's selfless. It's a selfless job. Yeah, I would say, so I'm the only non-nurse <laughs> representing Addie on this podcast. But, uh, you know, I would say that when I joined Addie, I realized very quickly that what I was hearing was there's often a stigma 
that home health and hospice nurses are um, are B grade nurses. That you know, if you really want to be the best you can be clinically, you've got to be in the hospital doing something, you know, super interesting. And I I would say that that's not only not true, but it it might almost be the other way around because when you're in the home setting, when you're out in the community, there is no charge nurse, there right. is no nurse manager, there is nobody there to help you with that patient. Yeah, no doctor and rounding so in the house. Generally. There's no doctor rounding in the house, yeah. and so there is. Um, there's you and there's the patient and, uh, and somebody who needs your help as that nurse. And you have to be the one to provide them with, with that care. And of course, you know, we've got, if there's a, a question or an issue or we need to cons, you know, consult each other, of course we can do that. But, um, we really require very well-rounded nurses at, at mm-hmm. Addy. You know, we need somebody that can walk into the home and, and figure out, um, what this patient needs and, um, it, it takes a while to find those people, and we, we obviously develop those people, but um, I would say it's a, it's a great career for somebody that needs the flexibility. Yeah. And uh, just to add on, it, you know, assessment skills are, are number one, but you get those in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You, you get those working on a med search floor, you know, where you can assess wounds and, and, you know, procedures of all kinds. You get that on a med floor or a cardiac unit so you can assess mm-hmm. disease processes. But so you... Yes, the hospital portion of nursing is very important, but if you have that, you know, home and, and, and you like doing home health and, and, are, and are fit for that, those are the skills that are going to get you through that home visit. Is it often the case that you're, that a Addy nurse is sent to a home for a particular diagnosis, let's say, and then they get there and discover, wait a minute, this is so much bigger than I thought originally. So in you know the hospital setting, someone might be on the med surge floor, right? And they're there for a particular mm-hmm. thing, and then they're done, and then they go. And those nurses deal with that envelope of things. But I, I would guess in a home setting, it's sometimes it's emotional support, sometimes it's medical support, sometimes it's the diagnosis was X, and now we're treating Y. Or sometimes mm-hmm. we realize there's another issue. How do your how do you identify nurses that are capable of handling? kind of the all the different curveballs that come up in a home setting. Right. So identifying in the beginning, um, you know, we just need that baseline understanding of, you know, um, nursing. That comes, what you're talking about kind of comes with experience, okay. comes with training. Um, so just being put in those situations, what do we do? Who do we contact? And where do we go from here? So mm-hmm. it's not something that we require up front for you to know exactly what to do in any situation. It's something that we... Um, we grow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We and, and, and just like all our nurses are different, they all have our their different strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have a, a very strong cardiac support nurse, and we could have a very strong ortho nurse. Mm-hmm. When you said, uh, when you mentioned Rob about, um, you know, just some some uh, mental type, this you know, uh, care. We do have a psychiatrist, a, a legit psychiatric nurse program. We, we don't have, yeah, so all our nurses, you know, have the basic psych training, but mm-hmm. we do have qualified psychiatric nurses that that are, you know, accredited and have worked with psychiatrists or units, you know, for the required amount of mm-hmm. time that, that's needed. So we just don't tell people, yes, we take care of psychiatric patients and send a nurse out there. Mm-hmm. We have psychiatric nurses. Awesome. We have certified wound care nurses. Mm-hmm. We have... Uh, certified uh, p- podiatry, uh, podiatry yeah. yeah. So we have Name a vast, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, IV infusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we have specialty nurses, you know, that do everything else and then specialize in that. In fact, we have a class coming up next week, this weekend, with like, what, five or six nurses? Eight. Eight. Eight nurses. That are taking our wound certification. Well, it's not ours. It's a nationally accredited wound certification program. Yeah. So, and, and Clint allows us to do those things here. I mean, we want the best. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we have a patient that's required, a, a, or some patients request, well, I want a nurse that's wound certified. Wow. Well, well we have... 10 or however many we have after these eight. So mm-hmm. now we don't have to worry about sending, you know, Kimberly because she's wound certified to 10 different houses. Right. We can send everybody because they are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, right, that's cool. But having all of these different specialties <laughs> and certifications kind of ensures that whenever doctors or hospitalists refer to us, that we're mm-hmm. able to provide care for them regardless if they're IV infusions, wound mm-hmm. care, um, just regular teaching on disease processes that, you know, we're able to meet the needs of any patient that's, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, and I would say that's how we differentiate ourselves. So mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but there are other agencies that are, are corpus homegrown, but few of them have developed the, the skill set that we have at Addy. On the flip side, there are large corporations that have a small branch in corpus. And of course, they've got the resources of their large publicly traded company. Um, but we're the ones here in town that can do everything they can do and more. Mm-hmm. And we're focused on the coastal bend. Right. And, you know, to your point about, uh, walking into a home and finding so many other diagnoses. Mm-hmm. So that's important because we have to go back to the patient's insurance and say, Hey, this is what's actually wrong with this patient mm-hmm. and they need this level of care. And for us to do that accurately, we have to be able to assess, you know, what are, all the things that the patient has wrong so that we can provide that therapy Mm -hmm. so we can provide those wound care supplies Mm -hmm. so we can provide all these different services and so yeah it is very important that we do develop our nurses so that they can make those determinations so that we can support it so we can uh we can inform the insurance and that we get reimbursed appropriately to provide that potentially higher level of care than the patient initially might have thought they needed and we say that that we provide care in the patient's home but that care doesn't start in the home, uh, I'm, I'm one of the psychiatric nurses as okay. well. So um, when I and and we house the the psychiatric rotation for uh, uh, CCM, Corpus Christi. Yeah. So they come do their rotation here. So that's awesome. Um, and in fact, they even last right before COVID, we did a hospice rotation for them, which they had never done. So you know we're trusted in the community. Mm-hmm. But I always tell the students and our nurses. And, and even our home health nurses, not only psychiatric nurses, that assessment starts when you turn that corner because mm-hmm. you're assessing the neighborhood. You're assessing what's there. You're walking up the sidewalk. You're looking at safety issues, broken sidewalks, mm-hmm. you know, what's on the front porch, you know. And then so the assessment process actually starts when you turn that corner onto that patient's street mm-hmm. and, and go from there. And safety, of course, is very important. And, you know, that that's also in our assessments, you know. Sure. Uh, environment can have a huge impact. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we've been fortunate and lucky. We have a, a good group. I mean, we have an excellent group of nurses here. Uh, you know, always had, and not those that don't fit. They know it. They know it before we do, and they're gone. Sure. I mean, you know. But like Clint said, we have nurses been here ten years, eleven years, wow. uh, six years, five years. Mm-hmm. Everybody almost to me has been here at least five years. I mean, they don't leave. And, and like Clint said, some have for a month. 
Right. Can I please come back? <laughs> so Addy has a tradition that started before I came, and we hand out uh, pins okay. on service anniversaries. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking because I was in there on Monday uh, to get one. We're almost out of five and seven year pins, and that, oh, that's, that, great. that's a good problem. Yeah, to have. that's a great problem to have. That's yeah. what you want. And in yeah. this in this line of work, I mean, you you can go to any. I've done this a long time. You can go to any agency. They they don't. There's not a lot of places that have that many staff members right. that have been there that long. I mean, um, it, it's a good place to be. I would guess in a world of traveling nursing and hospital demand, especially coming mm -hmm. out of COVID, and mm -hmm. I do definitely want to cover how COVID impacted the business, but we'll get there in a second. I would love to know, um, how do y'all manage to recruit and retain folks for five and seven years and longer when there mm -hmm. are all these, uh, the grass being greener in other places, mm -hmm. potentially at least, you know, what they might think. How do you manage to keep so many folks here for so long? What is the kind of the magic of adding in that regard? I think it's just the community. Okay. Um, like Clint was saying, one of the things that uh, we like to point out, you know, we're, we're corpus based. Mm -hmm. So a lot of agencies, you know, are based out of San Antonio, have a remote location here. All decisions are made in-house. So any of the field nurses, the CNAs, they're able to come here mm -hmm. for, you know, questions. If it's something that goes higher than Oscar or I, you know, walk right upstairs and, you know, here's the decision maker right here, you know, So I think that is a big part of it. Um, but, but just that community, you know, I've always mm -hmm. heard like growing up run if a company says we're a family, mm -hmm. but you know, <laughs> I, I really feel well, like we foster that we are, we have yeah. those close relationships, mm -hmm. you know, with each other from the office to the field to I mean, yeah. just every, every part. Well, you know, we have expectations, you know, uh, and they're not unrealistic. That's We've good. all done yeah. what we're asking our nurses to do right. out in the field and, and communication is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And Clint, I mean, from day one. He, he was about communication, letting people know what's going on. He, he sets out employee surveys a couple of times a year easy. From basic stuff like, uh, where do you want to have an after-hours event? Mm -hmm. Do you prefer ball game? Do you prefer, you know, I mean, employee surveys. Sure. And they have a say, and he usually sticks by it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think information, uh, for, out, outright Involving, you know, in some of the decision making, you know, people respect that, and 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 you know, it's 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 part of us. We pretty transparent, I feel. You know, sometimes maybe too transparent, but it seems to work for us. And Clint's a big part of that. So, well, and I'll address uh, the elephant in the room, and that's compensation. You know, yeah. people are in it in it for <laughs> money, and so I would say that I would say that we pay competitively, but I would say that um, especially now in COVID. Nurses have a choice, you know, mm -hmm. that no matter you pick a nurse in Corpus Christi, they can go somewhere else and make more money. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the question that, that they need to ask and a lot of them do is, you know, what what price do you put on being happy? What mm -hmm. price do you put on um, being part of a good company? Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, you make a few dollars elsewhere and you're miserable. You know, is that yep. is that worth it to you? You know, is for sure. And so, um, I think we have had lower turnover probably than most places uh, in the last two years. And I think it's because we are fair with our staff and we are um, encouraging with our staff. And sure, we've got our our issues too. And you know, we've, we're not perfect, but we work through them together and as a team. And um, and we we take care of our people. Are these new business practices y'all brought in with acquiring the company? 
I would say they're well. I'll let these two take that. I, I, I we'll go to the veterans. I, I think they were there, but I think Clint coming on really like bumped it up. Okay. Like, yeah. I will. I'll say prior and not, not anything bad. I loved what I did. I was complacent. Okay, I was happy because the owners are happy. Mm-hmm. And when Clint came, we we're like stepping it up, <laughs> and we're like, wow, you know, it's like a, a new awakening uh-huh. of sorts. And uh, we've discussed this over the last few years, you know. Um, like I said, I, I can be a cheerleader for this company for a long time. It, it's it feels good, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I, shoot, I, I think I kind of got off track a little bit of where we're going, but people want to be here, and yeah. and you don't find that a lot, you know. Um, I think so. So I'll say, uh, coming in as an outsider. And, um, and I was looking at, at several small companies <laughs> to buy. And there was just something special about Addy. And it's hard to say what it was, um, but there was just something special about this company. Mm-hmm. And so I, I suspected that at worst, I could come down and not change anything and just keep, mm-hmm. keep the ship moving in the right direction. And I think my approach has been, let's look for incremental opportunities to make things better. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you take something that's already really good and start making it even better, um, only good things can right. come out of that. That's so. that's well, when he, when, he, when he introduced was introduced to us, he was giving us information about our company that we had no idea. I mean, he was giving us numbers. He was giving us rates of growth. He was, how do you all do this? You have a quarter of the mm-hmm. you know uh, growth in corpus, and we're like. I don't know. We just work, <laughs> right? You know, so, so our jobs knowing those things, and, and 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 I know we've exceeded when we started. So uh, you know those kinds of things. You know, they're just they're all there. Someone just has to, like you said, keep the shit going mm-hmm. and, and moving. And, and that that's I mean that to me, and it's almost corny, but I can't wait to come to work in the morning. My right. wife, who was a re- just retired as an as a okay. registered nurse as well, um, she kids me about it. Like mm-hmm. he tells our friends, Oscar loves his job. I don't get <laughs> it, you know. So that's kind of a joke, you know, at, at home and stuff. But it's the, it's true, and I think um, I think if not all, a majority of the people that are here feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not uncommon for well, Kimberly sees patients on a given day. Could be okay. three days a week. Could be five. Could be five days a week on the weekend. You know, I do call for, mm-hmm. for the staff. I, you know, we, we don't have a problem. And I think the staff sees that, you know, and, and that goes sure. a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and I tell my staff, if we were digging ditches, I'd be digging them with you. Because, right. you know, I think a lot we of We don't it, ever ask our yeah, to do something we, that we, we wouldn't won't do. That matters. Sure. That you matters know, deeply and, for everybody. I think in the military, I think that part of it carries over. Because, sure. shoot, you got to have your staff, like, yeah. want to work with you. Or right. you could be in trouble, you know, so. I took their recycling bins out today. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we're we're kind of the yeah, whatever it takes. I mean, whatever it takes. So it's that's funny you say that. I was watching a show over the weekend called In the Dark. It's a Netflix show, and it's about a, a blind girl and some of the things that she goes through. But she works at a a place that trains seeing eye dogs and other service animals. And it, the the company was run by her parents and then acquired by one of the guys that happened to work there. Had a real passion for the business and. 
they show up, the daughter and another friend show up on a Saturday, and he's there cleaning and taking out the garbage. He's literally like yep. bagging up the garbage to save money because it was being hauled up by a service across town. He's <laughs> like, the dump is just a mile away. And so he's in there, yeah, yeah. and he's all gloved up and yeah. hazmat suited and all that. Yeah, for sure. Hauling it out. And I think, it, you know, to the yeah. point that Oscar's making and that Clint kind of chimed in on with humor, but it matters when everybody in the administrative level is doing the jobs of everybody else that works on the team. And I can say this from my own experience, and we see this in, in all successful companies, everybody's ready to jump in where it's needed. And that's probably one of the secret sauces to the long-term, the, yes, the longevity of your employees too, I would guess. Um, what is the difference in for our listeners between just traditional home health and hospice care? I know that some families have probably experienced both that are listening, and um, and so they know the true difference between the two and what that means. But for those that are unfamiliar and they just think it's a nurse going into the home to do both things, I know that there's a significant difference between what is traditionally home health and hospice. So let's kind of sure. walk through that a little bit. So traditionally home health, there is a, a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. So the goal is typically to get stronger, to uh, understand your medications better. Maybe it is to be able to just walk from the living room to the bathroom. Um, so there, there is that goal of progression. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So not necessarily does that, it doesn't always mean that those are the patients that we get because sometimes we get the patients that we know there's, mm-hmm. there's not going to be progression, but we're in there to provide mm-hmm. that support mm-hmm. um, and, and just work with them because every patient, you know, they have goals in mm-hmm. mind of what For they sure. want to achieve with home health. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some yeah. point, you know, when we realize and the family realizes that, you know, I, I, I want to focus on comfort and um, so, yeah, on so on, like transition. To going health. off of what Kim just said, so in home health, we get a patient at a certain level, you know, uh, in their disease process. The goal is to yeah. discharge them. Okay. So, so, so the pat on the back on home health comes when you get a patient at a low level and we increase their level of mobility or, or you know, self-maintenance mm-hmm. to where we can discharge them, that's our pat on the back. Okay. And, and on hospice care, you know, by, that, by the time a family and a patient are discussing hospice care, they've decided that they no longer want to seek any aggressive type treatment. Okay. They want to be kept comfortable in the home uh, and whatever that entails. You know, it could be oxygen. It could be mm-hmm. cutting back some medicines. It could be you know, uh, just being kept comfortable in home. I don't want to go to the emergency room anymore. I don't want to see the specialist for my heart anymore. And so as long as they meet a, they have a, a, a criteria meeting diagnosis for hospice, you know, um, and, and decide hospice, our job is to prepare them. We know the prognosis is not going to be good. Mm-hmm. We need to have the patient and family understand together that the, what the end prognosis is going to be. Our job is to get them there the most pleasantly and comfortably as possible. We implore our our physician, our registered nurses, our social workers, our chaplain, mm-hmm. our nursing assistants. I mean, they're there to comfort this patient, whether it's with physical care, medications, mm-hmm. you know, oxygen, equipment. Um, my nurse visit sometimes could last an hour. Sometimes it could last 20 minutes. It could be that you might not even do a set of vital signs, but you hold somebody's hand for 30 minutes. It just depends on what the family and the patients need. And our pat on the back comes when when a patient passes peacefully in the home with their loved ones, you know, and the family's grieving appropriately and mm-hmm. weren't caught by surprise. 
you know, that's our pat on the back. You know, um, I like to say that Addy Hospice, and that goes, again, ownership allows these things to happen. I had a patient on hospice services one time for 10 days, and we saw him 22 times. Wow. I mean, we're not the agency that's going to admit a patient and the family calls us and say, mm-hmm. hey, my dad just passed away. We're going to tell you when this is happening. And, mm-hmm. and as soon as we start seeing that change, my nurses are great about us making that assessment. Um, you know, our, our frequency increases. And Clint, he knows, mm-hmm. oh, you have three dailies already? We're like, yeah, they started daily. So uh, we like to do the daily mm-hmm. at least seven days, ten days before we kind of, when we get that feeling that they're transitioning, we increase our visits. And um, But, yeah, that, I, think, I think together Kim has several patients that, um, you know, what we call a transition from home health to hospice. Okay. They know it's going to come because I've met with them because mm-hmm. the nurses alerted us and we've had the conversation 10 months ago that they're not ready for hospice, mm-hmm. you know, mentally. Right. But the, the longer time goes, you know, and their condition declines a little bit more, then they're like, you know what, mm-hmm. let's, let's bring hospice in. And so the transition is really smooth. A lot of times we keep the same nurse's aides in there. And of course, the nurses change because they're, they're a little specialty. Right. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked the question, and I think these were great explanations. I think there's a lot of um, misunderstanding mm-hmm. about our services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, on the home health side, it could be anywhere from an <coughs> orthopedic surgery recovery, and in a month's time mm-hmm. after surgery, you've had your therapy, you've had your wound care, and you're up and ready to go and back to work. So we have patients like that all the time. Mm-hmm. We also have patients that we've had probably for five, seven, maybe longer years um, where they have a chronic condition, Mm -hmm. they're not hospice appropriate, but they do need that in-home support uh, and that skilled nursing, that Mm -hmm. therapy, and we provide that. On the hospice side, just because you go to hospice, it doesn't mean you're going to die tomorrow. And that's something that we have to continually educate Mm -hmm. patients and families on. um, And physicians. And physicians on. Uh, So... We have patients that have been with our hospice now for, what, three, four years? We have one that's been for four, four years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and we we are constantly reassessing whether she meets hospice criteria, mm-hmm. and the answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Likewise, we get patients that, that do die the next day, but we have some patients that come to us, they're very, very sick, and when they get on hospice care, they rally and, right. and they could be with us for months or years. And so it's not, it's not an, it's not an immediate death sentence. Sure. And I think that is so important for, for your listeners to understand. I just also wanted to briefly touch on, there's a lot of different names out there for what we do. You know, mm-hmm. people call it home care or visiting nursing. And, um, it's not all the same thing. You know, sometimes people refer to home care as, the people that are going are gonna to come to your house to cook and clean right. and, um, you know, play crosswords with you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what Addie does. So Addie is a skilled nursing, a therapy, and a hospice agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of companies like ours. There are a lot of companies that will um, bring providers and caregivers. Um, but just, to, just so everybody's crystal sure. clear, um, home health and home care are, are very different. Home care is something that's typically paid for out of pocket or by Medicaid. 
our services are through a physician. So we have to have a doctor's order and we provide those uh, skilled medical um, services. Mm -hmm. So with the nurses that are providing the hospice care, do you find that they need additional support, emotional support or, you know, counseling, et cetera? I imagine that's a a really tough, hard calling. I would imagine also they offer calls. It is. That was a great question. Great point, uh, Rob. So pre-COVID, and I know we'll get to that in a little bit, but pre-COVID, our hospice team met every morning at 8 o'clock right here. Every okay. morning, or our other building, but every morning at 8 o'clock we'd meet here. And we discussed the call from the night before, because all my nurses, whoever's on call gets the call, but they're going to call me, they're going to mm-hmm. call Kim, you know, because there are patients that we see during the sure. night. So we, we would meet every morning, and we discussed the night before. Mm-hmm. We discussed what's going on today. We discuss, you know, what patients are, conditions of patients, you know, so that all of us had a heads up of what's going on. It could be that we, everybody deals with death in a different way. Right. And even though they're not our immediate family members, certain patients, actually all the patients, but there are certain ones that just just hit a spot with you sure. and, and it just happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody says, doctors say, Keep professional, don't, that's impossible. We're human <laughs> beings, you know. For sure. So there are times in those meetings, and now, now we're doing them over the phone, but the concept's the same. There are times, even on the phone, uh, when we talk and whatever, and we cry for 15 minutes. I mean, we're going to let it out, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to. And, and I tell that my nurses and, and everybody that we deal with, it, does, it, it might not be today or tomorrow. It could be four months from now. And you could be driving in your car and a bug hits your windshield and that does it, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so I think collectively we meet, like I said, every day. We discuss our business. We laugh a little bit. A lot of times they'll walk, they'll walk by the office and there's four people crying in my office because <laughs> we're on the conference call, sure. you know. And it just happens and we don't know when. But, yes, it's very therapeutic to let it out. Mm-hmm. Our, our, and we... We say this all the time, and step in if I'm not correct, but hospice is a safe place. I mean, throughout the day, at any given time, somebody will come sit in my chair in my office or in the chaplain's chair or the social worker's chair for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And we're working, and they're like, hey, I just need five minutes. It's peaceful back here. It's quiet back here. And they'll chatter for a minute or two or grab a little little mint off Mm -hmm. the desk, and then they're like, okay. I'm good, and they take off again, you know. But little things like that, we're we we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we 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 know what you're feeling, you know. And and I think this company as a whole is a safe place, you know, for people uh, that work here. And um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it it's therapeutic and it's cathartic, and and we all need it, and we're all human beings, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, again, I, I could go on all day, man. This is this is this is. I've, I've always wondered that because you know you hear you hear about in other professions where, like let's say it's an investigator in the police department who has to do certain crimes and they need additional help outside of their job because those are emotionally um, weighty issues that they're dealing with, whether it be kids or spousal situations or whatever. And I kind of. I guess I had a general assumption the same thing would be true in hospice, although obviously dealing with it at a different, from a different angle, but that it's not an easy thing. I mean, I, you know, we I think we've all experienced it, the death of a family member, 
and we know what those emotions entail, but, but taking care of folks that are on that path day in and day out um, would be, would, would, is not my calling, yeah. to be blunt. It's just you not know, my calling. Yeah, we, we do this on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but then we have to do this in your life basis. Right. So it, it's, 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 it feels like it's nonstop, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, if I may, I had an example real quick. Personally, I had had a, a rough week at work. We had had a rough week that week. I mean, we had like a number, high volume of deaths. And mm-hmm. in one week, I get home. My neighbor, a good friend of mine, had been ill. And, you know, I get a knock on the door on Friday afternoon. It was Friday evening, probably 8 o'clock. I get a, a knock on the door. It's his brother. I, I look, open the door. I look. And, you know, Sal died. You know, and I walk out. I come back inside. And my wife's like, what's wrong? I said, I deal with death every day. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I felt sorry for myself. And then just like that, something came over me and said, I don't deal with death every day. I deal with life every day. You know, so... It is. It, it affects people that way, sure. and uh, you know, and we we are human beings, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think families sense that when we walk in, that we're genuinely there to make you better, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, and sometimes they are resistant at first, but uh, it could be a day, it could be ten months, mm-hmm. but to be able to do. 10 months of worth of work in one or two days, you know, it's a, it's a credit to the, to the team. Absolutely. You know, to the whole company. So. Absolutely. But yeah, it's uh, very rewarding uh, awesome. and tough. But. And Clint, you mentioned earlier that you work with basically from doctor uh, prescriptions. Um, how, do y'all build a network of doctors? What does the marketing look like? How do you grow the business? Yeah, no, that, that's an important question. We think about <laughs> that every day. And there's definitely a COVID dynamic in that sure. as well. Um, so, yeah, so we have to have a, a doctor's order either for okay. home health or hospice. And so we have a number of um, very close physician partners that know us and mm-hmm. and um, will refer to us because they think it's best for their patient. And, and that's the way we want it. So. Okay. Um, we don't engage in any marketing practices where we are, you know, paying physicians for referrals or anything even close to that. We, um, we will go out and we will explain our services. We will explain why we think we will take the best care of their patients. And we're very fortunate that here in town, um, literally hundreds of doctors know us and, and use us. And uh, what we've just started to see over the last maybe year is that we are getting a, I would say, an outsized share of the out-of-town referrals mm-hmm. where somebody's gone to San Antonio for surgery mm-hmm. or somebody um, is getting you know, radiation and chemotherapy in Houston, and then they come back to, to Corpus Christi. And, and we get a lot of cold calls from, from doctors, from hospitals. Um, they don't know us. They don't know mm-hmm. anything about us, but they've heard or they've Googled or they've you know talked to a colleague. And um, so... As much as anything, we have um, that reputation that we rely on for um, for continuing business. Uh, we do have a marketing team. It is important to us that we continue to build our brand. Um, I know some of your previous podcasts, that's their whole job. Right. We're, we are not professional brand builders, <laughs> but we um, I think we do a pretty good job of it. And, and the most important thing is that Kimberly and Oscar keep leading their team and keep providing that um, sort of boots on the ground in the home the best care because 
patients talk and they talk to their friends and they yeah. talk to their family. Yeah. And the next time that person or somebody they know needs mm-hmm. home health, they're going to go to their doctor and they're going to say, I want Addy. And that's what we want. And that's what I think we've established. And um, we will continue to grow with that. We want to grow quicker. And so we're working on ways to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think we, we're where we want to be. We And we've got to you know keep our eye on the ball and, sure. and, and um, make sure we're providing the best care. We uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, Clint, but as far as the marketing standpoint goes, we, we don't have a home health medical director mm-hmm. on staff. Is that right? That's, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most agencies do because they depend sometimes on those physicians that have a practice or whatnot to kind of, you know, filter a little bit, which is okay. It's not a problem with that. But we've, we've never, we haven't had that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're still getting who we get, what we get based on what we do. Okay. You, know, yeah. um, you know, I, I always tell when I do go out and, and meet with physicians or offices, I always tell them that, you know, they, they sometimes they'll ask about competition or whatever. I say, oh, I don't, I don't view anybody as competition. I, I view us as, you know, colleagues pr- mm-hmm. providing a service, you know, that, that is needed by, by the public. I just know how we do what we do, right? you know, and, and they'll say, well, we, you know, we don't let marketers come into this meeting. I say, well, that's good because I'm not a marketer. Right. <laughs> I'm a nurse. You know, I know you. I know you. You know, uh-huh. so, uh, but yeah, and I think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, w- 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 we as a whole, the company as a whole, our department, our marketing department, we're not salesmen. We're not salespeople. We're mm-hmm. letting you know what we do. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times when I do go out and I tell them, I, I can tell you what we can do, what we can't do, what we will do, what we won't do, you know, straightforward. I, I'm not here to say, right. you know, sell you something. Not getting a commission on no. what you sell you a business mm-hmm. commission. So, um, and I would just like to very briefly touch on two other dynamics in play. So the first sure. one is that in our um, industry, if you're a patient, you have complete choice of your mm-hmm. provider. At all times, and that is, um, you know, we have patients that have come to us from other agencies that said, I'm not, I wasn't happy with the care I was getting. I asked my doctor to write an order to Addy, um, and every patient has that right at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, for some patients, you have to be very careful when you're signing up for your insurance because there are some very restrictive insurance plans out there. Okay. And the timing of this podcast is good because we are in Medicare Advantage open enrollment. And, um, so there are a lot of billboards around town. There's sure. a lot of ads on the internet. There's a right. lot of flyers. There's a lot of insurance brokers that are out looking for people to put them on specific Medicare Advantage plans. Mm-hmm. We think Medicare Advantage is great. We take a lot of Medicare Advantage plans, but what patients need to know is that there are some plans that only funnel patients to their providers. Okay. And so... Um, in some cases, those might be very strong providers. And so there's no problem because mm-hmm. it's a strong network um, a, a, across the continuity of care. You can provide good care. That is not always the case. And so you have to do your research, you know, as, as an individual, as, as somebody's family member, mm-hmm. you, you can't get distracted by the free gym membership or the, <laughs> the, the, the Peloton yeah, right. or, you know, whatever right. I, it might be. What you need to think about is when this person gets sick, if mm-hmm. they develop a chronic condition, are they going to be able to go see the provider that they want to see? And um, for a lot of plans, that's true, especially mm-hmm. the PPO plans. That's true. Traditional Medicare, absolutely true. A lot of the HMO plans, it's buyer beware. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just all I'll say. We don't get any, um, you know, we, we, we don't get any inducements or anything from the insurance mm-hmm. companies to 
to support one or the other. Uh, like I said, Addie takes most of them. Um, we have a social worker on staff that does not get paid any more or less if she um, talks to you about an insurance plan. And we're happy to have her speak with, with anybody about how that works. Um, it's an impartial name in a, in a very uh, aggressive game. For sure. I mean, speaking, my grandmother passed about two years ago, and this was a, this part, the insurance part of getting her continuing care was just an absolute nightmare. Yeah. She was lucky enough to have four daughters that were able to, all with, including my sweet mother, all with um, strong personalities that don't take no for answers <laughs> and were willing to just get on the phone and holler at anybody that would pick up the phone on the other end to get it sorted out. But it was an unnecessary it shouldn't be. nightmare. It shouldn't be shouldn't that hard, right? It. And it was probably because their their original Advantage plan wasn't the correct one, and then there was Tricare involved, and then you know it just kind of became this whole mess of stuff. And yeah. fortunately, again, she had an army of people that were working for her uh, for free because they're family. But anyway, that, to the point, I mean, I, I, your point is very apropos because it is it is tempting just to get the baubles and the trinkets from the companies that are trying to get you to sign up, but that might not be the care that they might not provide at the end of the day, the care that you need. And that's really the purpose of what you're buying, right? When you're getting insurance, it's not to have to fight with the company over Mm -hmm. stuff. It's really to say, this is what I need. Pay for it. Yeah. Because I've been paying my premiums, by the way. (laughs) So I'm not asking you for free or unless I qualify for something that provides that service. But generally, you know, I'm not here to just fight with you. And I'm already dealing with something traumatic. I'd rather not have to deal right. with that also. And if it's patient-centered care, the patient should have the choice to choose their health care provider. Mm-hmm. And what people don't know and what's not on those billboards is that you're giving that up on some of those plans. Yeah, that's scary. It's very sure. scary. So let's kind of round over to COVID because as, as it has impacted all of us, I would imagine in a service business like your agency, it had, it had traumatic impacts in lots of ways, I would assume, from patient care and how you would deal with patients on the home health side of things, you know, from, I don't know, additional cleanliness, et cetera, to perhaps a, an increase on the hospice side of things. So let's kind of talk about from when COVID started really impacting our community in early 2020, what did that look like for Addy and how, what adjustments had to be made and where, where do you all stand now in the process? I'd actually like to punt that over to Kimberly because I think she had a very interesting <laughs> experience. So, and I'll just I'll, I'll put a couple words in her mouth and let her take it. So, so Kimberly was with Addie for a number of years and decided she wanted to. Um, I was like, I was not here. She well, <laughs> when it hit. <laughs> she so Kimberly um, has is a is a fantastic nurse, and she had decided at that time that she needed some inpatient experience to um, to really further her career. And so Kimberly had left Addie, and we all know how the story ends because she's back. <laughs> so she but, um, but Kimberly started the COVID era in the hospital, oh, and right. I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell us how that went and how that mm-hmm. influenced your decision to come back to Addie. I was terrible. <laughs> it was, it was ter- you know, um, so I worked the neuro unit over okay. at one of the hospitals here in uh-huh. town, and so... Um, it was very difficult mm-hmm. um, properly caring for our patients, um, staffing shortages. Um, I don't, I don't know what more to say. Yeah, other than, right. I mean, it was yeah, just a horrible really experience right. for everyone. Supplies was limited. Equipment right. was limited. So you know, trying. Yeah, and we, we no longer were able to have um, you know gloves and masks mm-hmm. readily available. Um, 
I think we had to we had to bag our masks and reuse them for a week. Oh, you know, yeah. if they broke, we tied them and hoped that they would keep us safe. Mm -hmm. uh, we were floating to the COVID units, mm -hmm. um, you know, to take care of COVID positive patients, and then coming back to your floor the next day, hoping that you know you weren't mm -hmm. spreading anything. Sure. Um, I think I made it probably about seven months. Seven, eight months um, <laughs> wow. through that before I decided to come back here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think by that time, COVID had started settling down. Um, first round. The right, first, right. Yeah, the first round yeah. of it. But the thing that I noticed coming back is that there was, um, it seemed like there there was no shortage, you know. So if I needed three yeah. and 95s for the week, you know, mm -hmm. I, I could have them or masks or gloves. Um, just, I feel like, and, you and know, goes, we were prepared. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember when it first was coming here, uh, we, Clint and I had the would have these conversations about how we were a bit probably naive about it because we were like, I if we hit 60 yeah. COVID cases in Oasis County, we'll be good. Mm -hmm. And they the, the kept growing, kept growing. But I think the proper steps were taken as far as uh, supplies and equipment. We ordered as much protective equipment as we could, as we were allowed, mm -hmm. as early as we could. And we actually, like Kim said, she didn't feel that shortage mm -hmm. of stuff because we kind of prepared, maybe unknowingly, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and we had a good amount of supplies. And then when they started really limiting us on stuff, it, we didn't panic because we had the gowns, the mm -hmm. gloves, the goggles. I was going to Home Depot and getting painter mm -hmm. suits and sure. whatever I could get, you know. And uh, so we, we prepared, I think, for not knowing this this, right. this virus. We, it had no rules. We didn't. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if you wore masks and goggles and gloves. You could still get sure. it. And so we were like, shoot, there's no rules. It doesn't matter if you're 20 or 60. Right. You know, so uh, I, I, think, I think we prepared as best equipment wise and supplies wise that we could and then immediately we initiated a covid team where we thought <clears throat> we're going to get hospital we're going to hospital discharges mm -hmm. with covid sure. they're 10 days they're 14 days we didn't know all those things yet you know so we immediately asked for volunteers we couldn't make anybody do it mm -hmm. sure enough i don't know five or six nurses just stepped up i want to be on that team wow mm -hmm. and basically what we did was when we get a covid patient we'd send a COVID team member mm -hmm. on the hospice too. We had a hospice nurse that was on our team on the COVID team. So we got a home health patient that was on COVID. We sent that nurse, but then we didn't let her see patients. So she was, mm -hmm. she had one patient for the day. And if then we got another admission or two, then that nurse would go there. And then if we needed more nurses then we'd add them. But so I think Matt Clint, like he set us up to, to win this thing uh, from a, uh, from a nursing standpoint, from a care delivery standpoint, from a supply equipment standpoint. There was a time even where we met and Clint's like, hey man, why don't you go out and check around and see what's up? Where I went to other home health agencies and just asked them if they mm -hmm. needed anything. Hey, I have excess. Do you need anything? Do you? Awesome. And they're like, wow. Right. Who are you? Right. You know, you're our competitor. What's the catch? <laughs> right. You know, and and there wasn't one. It was yeah. just a concern, you know, for our mm -hmm. people out there. You know. Um, yeah. We. I mean, we had some pretty dark days in yeah. those first few months, just like everybody else. I think we were lucky here in the coastal bend because 
it didn't really hit us hard until Fourth of July it was last a slow year. Um, so we, you know, we saw in New York and California and other places it was, you know, dozens, hundreds of deaths mm-hmm. every day, and we we were in the dozens of cases a day, and so we we had a chance to to kind of you know buy a little bit of time. We did do a good job with our PPE, and a lot of that credit goes to the Coastal Bend Regional Advisory Council, which is one of those mm-hmm. organizations that nobody knows about right. until they become the most important thing. Right. Um, but we uh, at Addy, you know, we felt like we had an obligation to stand beside our hospital partners, and we would get phone calls from case managers saying, "Are you guys taking COVID patients?" Mm-hmm. And we would say, "Yeah, of course," and they would say, "Oh my gosh, thank goodness." You know, I just made X number of phone calls and mm-hmm. the other agencies aren't taking them. And, wow. and, and we just thought that was crazy mm-hmm. because we... That's um, what we do. We, right. We, yeah, we have an obligation to, to, you know, we've got overflowing hospitals, no beds, mm-hmm. patients in hallways. We're the next line of defense. And so we had to be there to step up and, and we sure. did step up. Um, on one hand, it really hurt us. We had our orthopedic surgery partners, you know, canceling. Surgery. Actually, we had Governor Abbott, you know, bring right. a, a ban on elective surgeries for a while. Um, so that hurt us. Mm-hmm. We had patients not wanting nurses in their home at all. Um, but we, we knew, mm-hmm. you know, that it was just a matter of time before those people say, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, there's a reason I have Addie coming. There's a reason I have my nursing and my therapy. And, um, and so sure enough, they all... They came back. The COVID patients mm-hmm. came back, and um, and so we, you know, we just kept moving forward. And with Delta, same thing. We still had our, our PPE. We we all thought we were out of the woods, but we weren't. Right. We never dropped the ball in our infection control protocols. So it's just it's educating. You know, we got to educate our patients and the community that it's safer for them to have care at home in in most cases. And so if they qualify, it's a, you know it's a really good option. Mm-hmm. Um, we educate our nurses, so we make sure that they're up to speed on, you know, how do you prevent the spread of COVID? When do you need to wear a gown? Sure. When do you not need to wear a gown? Because that gown can be used for somebody who needs it. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the sorts of decisions and, and education that we have to have. And um, it's Explaining what exposure was. Sure. You know, sure. just because you're in the next room. That's right. not exposure. It's 15 minutes. It's, mm-hmm. you know, less than six feet. It's, sure. you know, yeah. un, unprotected. Uh, those kinds of things. I think yeah. are, another thing that speaks high volumes, you know, for Clint's leadership, we did not lay off one person really during COVID. Wow. Some were, a lot of them worked from home, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and because there's things that can be done at home, scheduling, you know, phone calls, sure. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. he, he never laid off one person because... Of COVID, like, and we were getting calls from nurses or our walk-ins. Right. Hey, let me go because COVID, and we're mm-hmm. not, we don't have patients, and you know. So yeah, I think that you know, just being prepared overall as a mm-hmm. business model that Clint set forward, you know, um, just kind of set the tone for everything. You know, sure. Um, n- people knowing that they're not going to get laid off. Mm-hmm. Do something we need you to do. Sure. You know, um, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that went a long way. Uh, mm-hmm. COVID has been a challenge, just like everything else. I think you know our nurses are are um, tired of it. We're all tired of it. You know, we all want to get back to the way it was. We may never get there, um, but I think at, at the core, it's made us better. You know, it's mm-hmm. made us realize that we are up for the challenge. We've all learned um, a lot from it, and. 
we can all hope that Delta is the last variant, and maybe it will be, and maybe this will become an endemic disease, but it'll be managed and controlled. Um, But maybe not, you know? We don't know what the next six months are gonna bring us, but I feel so good about our team, and I feel so good that we've got the right um, procedures, controls, uh, the right people in place to um, to survive the next one too, if there is a next one. I mean, from a historic standpoint, I mean, I'm 61 years old. I've never encountered anything right. like this, you know. Uh, and probably in the early 1900s was when things like this happened. Mm-hmm. And you know, so to be able to sit here and and, and I mean, I mean, it's historical sure. in that regard, you know. Unfortunately, but. Um, I think we fared pretty well. I, mm-hmm. I can say, and correct guys if I'm wrong, um, the cases of COVID that were contract con- contracted within our agency were not were from outside source. So and so's husband's kid had it. So you're sure. gonna stay home for a little bit. But even then, how how many employees? Yeah. It had to have been a handful. Mm-hmm. Seven? We, we had a handful that got I mean, COVID. Not, we had no documented yeah. spread from employee from to patient, patient to employee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, we. I think we we, we fared fared pretty well, well, you know. And luckily, yeah, there's a luck aspect, but there's mm-hmm. definitely definitely a preparation, a, preparation, uh, sure. a training, right. and an mm-hmm. education aspect. Did you find, uh, and Kimberly, this might be a good question for you, since you were both inpatient and here at home at, at Addy, but back in the homes. Um, did you find a patient resistance kind of as a general, like, hey, we're scared, we don't really want anybody in our house, or we don't want anybody coming to see us in the room. If you're not the one nurse that has already mm-hmm. seen us, we don't want anybody, like if you went, Kimberly, from the neuro floor to the COVID floor, did you have patients like, wait, I don't know who you are? What was that kind of like, as a, especially in the early days, the patient <laughs> reaction to whether you were in home or in the hospital? What, what was their kind of reaction to seeing a bunch of different faces that they might not normally see. I didn't see a major reaction. So the floor that I worked was neuro. So we we dealt a lot with, you know, strokes and Mm -hmm. other conditions that kind of altered um, that mental state of a patient. Um, But those that were with it, they were still having surgeries and everything. Um, In the beginning days, you know, they would wear masks. We would wear masks um, as it progressed and um, started to, you know, the cases started to drop. You know, they removed the masks. We, of course, were still mandated to wear them. Um, But I didn't see a a huge um, fear. Mm -hmm. Now, ERs, you know, those working in the ERs, they saw that a lot. Um, But up in the floors... It didn't matter who was there taking care of them. We were all wearing masks and following, you know, precautions. So, you know, we generally were allowed in the rooms, however many times, you know, that we needed to be. Um, but it was different, you know, here in home health um, as far as, like, limiting the um, the amount of times we saw a patient each week. If we okay. thought they might have needed twice a week um, due to... Um, exacerbation of their disease process mm-hmm. but they were pretty you know once a week is enough or every other mm-hmm. week is enough and um, it was a lot of kind of you know phone calls and mm-hmm. um, triaging yeah. that sure. way mm-hmm. yeah there, there's a whole risk element to you know you get, we've got to keep these people out of the hospital that's mm-hmm. priority one mm-hmm. because that's where all the COVID cases are but how do we do that by minimizing the contact and, sure. and minimizing risk mm-hmm. to our staff and to the patient Let's talk a little bit about the business, and then we'll kind of start to wrap up. And I know you probably feel like we've been talking about the business the whole time, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> businessy things like um, how does Addy 
differentiate itself, build a moat around its business to kind of protect itself from, I don't know, Oscar doesn't believe or feel like they're competitors, but the reality is, especially when you've got corporations that do this that are on a national scale, how do you protect, Clint, the business of Addy here in Corpus Christi? What are your kind of key differentiators? And um, and I know we've touched a lot about um, the, the actual care that is given is obviously a differentiator. That's yeah. probably maybe even the biggest, but there are other things a business can do to kind of protect itself and make itself unique and differentiated. What are some of those things that Addy does? Sure, sure. Well, we have touched on a couple of them already, and I'll, I'll expand on those. So one of them is um, being local, I think, is, is a key one, and yeah. knowing that when somebody calls our office, they're going to get a live person. It's going to be mm-hmm. somebody that lives here, and, and oftentimes our patients will call, and they've got a favorite staff member they want to talk to. <laughs> and I think that, that, is a, um, that is very telling mm-hmm. for our agency. Um, absolutely, the core of it is the actual care we provide. We don't skimp on care. We go um, uh, over and above uh, what we're reimbursed for on a routine basis, and we we do that because the patient needs it. Mm -hmm. Um, People remember that, and that gets back to our reputation, which, you know, if if there's a moat around us, the reputation is the water that's in the moat. (laughs) So, um, and that's something that we work day in, day out to to protect and make Mm -hmm. sure that, um, that, that, you know, we are earning that. Um, There's a number of ways we can do that. So there are a lot of home health agencies mm-hmm. in town. There's a lot of them in the country. Medicare um, has tried to develop systems to help the good ones differentiate from the bad ones because um, short of having That's unusually some, proactive bureaucrats. Well, they, like I said, they try. The, okay. the key word is try. So, um, but yeah, short of, uh, of something like that, there it comes down to who's got the best marketing effort, okay. and that's not something you want to mess with when it comes to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we are very careful to track our metrics on both the home health and the hospice side. One of the key metrics is um, a 30-day rehospitalization after okay. someone's come out of the hospital. There's also 60-day rehospitalization, and um, and our 2020 data puts us uh, best in class in awesome. town. And so those are numbers that um, I think we were less than two percent of mm-hmm. our patients are rehospitalized after 30 days, wow. um, which is just um, it's a phenomenal it's number. And, it's amazing. Um, and so. Those are numbers that we can share with our physician partners. That they're numbers we can share with, um, you know, uh, our, our, our website, with our marketing team, and that at the end of the day, that's what we want. We don't want, um, you know, the the marketing. We don't want the home health agency with the best goodie bags to win. Right. We want the home health agency that's going to take the best care of your mom or your dad to win. Um, it's taken 14 years, but I think we're at a place where. We can say, you know, around town, if, if you had to ask 10 people, um, more of them would say Addy than the other guys. And so that's that's our main thing is, is our reputation. It doesn't take much to derail a reputation. Sure. So um, that's why we come in here every day mm-hmm. doing the same thing. And we have to deal, you know, with some some tough challenges. But um, at the end of the day, we're, we're not going to give up on that. We're not going to skimp on our care. We're, we're going to we're going to make sure we keep that. So what are the air, what is kind of the general geographic service area? Do you get to go to Oscar's hometown of Bishop, or do you stay right here to St. Corpus Christi? Right, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So so we have uh, ten counties, and Kimberly's okay. laughing at me because uh, in Texas, some counties are, are quite significant, and uh-huh. our ten counties cover the same area as. Let me make sure I get this right: Rhode Island, 
Connecticut, <laughs> Delaware, and New York City combined. Wow. So that is our service area. We cover all That's the way up to, yes, from Falfurious to San Diego to uh, Holiday Beach and everything in between. Wow. And um, so we do have nurses that live in outlying areas. We have, uh, you know, most of our patients are here in, in Corpus, but um, we are not just a Corpus Christi centric agency. We are a Coastal Bend centric agency. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I don't think anybody else in town has both the um, service area and the breadth of capabilities that we have. And so, um, you know, Kimberly mentioned doctors, doctors want that. They want to know that when we walk into the home and take care of their patient, we're not, we don't just help manage medications. Mm-hmm. We don't change band-aids. We do the hard stuff. You know, we do the advanced wound care. We do the infusions. We do the psychiatric nursing. That's why I would want taking care of my mm-hmm. mom or dad or my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, sure. that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And the outliers will ask, the families mm-hmm. will ask, well, you're in Corpus and I'm in Beagle. No, we have a nurse that lives 20 wow. minutes from there. Or, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's very helpful. For um, sure. For kind sure. of regionalize, try to regionalize, you know, our staff yeah, ratio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, what's next for Addy? What are you guys excited about coming up in the future? Yeah. Well, this year the focus was on COVID and then our office move. So mm-hmm. we were on Alameda <laughs> Street for over a decade. Uh-huh. And so... We've now moved to Second Street here, um, as just on the south part of downtown. Mm-hmm. We've moved into a building that's more than twice the size of our previous building. Um, it's got some interesting features, and we're going to kind of grow into it over the next few years. Um, we have a lot coming down the track, and um, I'll say we have. Uh, I'll be a little bit cryptic. We we, we we have an art project coming that okay, I think yeah. will benefit Corpus Christi greatly, mm-hmm. um, and so hopefully by the end of the year that's complete and. I would say look for some look look for that in the caller time. Look right. for that on the art walk. But we've got we've got some art coming. Okay. Um, as as you know, we're an artistically inclined <laughs> business. We'll, we'll, see. we'll see on the HS Yeah, let's see on the HS sketch. That's right. Um, but no, we are in, in terms of our core business. We're continually expanding um, the infusions that we can do. Um, you know, like Kimberly and Oscar mentioned. We're getting almost all of our uh, full-time nursing staff wound care certified. Awesome. And, um, of course, we're working to better support, you know, the outlying areas. Mm-hmm. Um, we're watching our metrics and seeing, you know, where do we need to make those changes. Um, we're also looking to expand. So we do have some complementary mm-hmm. service areas that next year you will see Addy move into. Okay. Um, don't want to say too much about that yet. Mm-hmm. But what, what we want to, to be is sort of that one-stop shop for our patients. And so... When they, you get these patients with complex medical needs, Addy can probably serve as much or more than anybody else. But in some cases, we still can't address everything that patient needs. We want that doctor to pick up the phone and call us and know that it's taken care of. We don't want them to have to call around to two or three or four different companies to get everything that patient needs. And so that's a journey. Mm -hmm. That'll take us some time to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we are going to stay. We are focused on the coastal bend here. Mm -hmm. Um, We are, we think we're headed in the direction to really provide that holistic care that that is hard to find. Absolutely. Well, Kimberly, Oscar, and Clint, thank you all so much for taking time to come on the Echo Corpus Christi podcast. This has been a joy. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. This is really great. It's always fun when investors from other parts of the state find a company here in Corpus to invest in, and then they move their entire family down here in order to lead that new company. It's also a testament to the new owners 
when long-standing employees like Kimberly and Oscar stick around to help the new leadership lead the company into the future. It was encouraging to hear examples of how Addy Home Health was able to help other organizations serve those organizations' patients, while at the same time serving Addy's own patients during the lockdown and during this pandemic. That's a testament to the character of the folks who live and work here in the Coastal Bend and in Corpus Christi. If you'd like to learn more about Addy Home Health, feel free to visit them on the internet at addyhomehealth.com. If you feel like you or someone you love or know needs in-home or hospice care, please think of Kimberly and Oscar and Clint and give Addy Home Health a call. Thank you, as always, to our infrastructure partners, Clint Tucker Homes and Sawyer Audiology. Thank you to Kimberly, Oscar, and Clint for taking time to come on the Echo Corpus Christi podcast. And thank you so much for taking time to listen. 